Hello and welcome to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Baum. I'm here to share techniques and tools to help you engage with your audience and bring art, objects and ideas to life. So let's dive into this week's show. Welcome back to the Art Engager podcast. I'm your host, Claire Bowne of Thinking Museum, and this is episode 36. So I hope you're back in the swing of things and that January is treating you well. In today's episode, I'm sharing some quick ways you can improve your questioning technique. But before we get on to that, don't forget last week I shared nine ways that looking at and discussing art makes you a better writer. So do go back and listen to episode 35 if you haven't already. And if you'd like to be a supporter of this show, you can do so by treating me to a cup of tea on buymeacoffee.com forward slash Claire Bound. And I'll put a link in the show notes. And the show notes, as always, they're available on my website, thinkingmuseum.com forward slash podcast. And this is episode 36. So now let's get on with today's show. So the ability to ask powerful, relevant, incisive questions is probably one of the most useful skills you can have. And with a good questioning technique, you can instantly engage people, you can provoke their curiosity, you can find out what they already know, and you can make your programs more interactive. But what exactly makes a good question? Well, we explored this recently in a team training that I did with a museum guide team, and we came up with some qualities that we think make up a good question. So we said that uh, a good question is relevant, clear, concise, purposeful, guiding but not leading, opens up and directs thinking, stimulates curiosity, opens up a conversation and finally shares one idea at a time. Now, this is not an exhaustive list, and I'm sure I've missed some qualities out, but I think it's a really good start. Poor questions, on the other hand, can really cut a discussion short. They can put pressure on participants to answer. They can also lead to tumbleweed moments, you know, that moment of dead air, crickets or silence when no one says anything. And poor questions are just awkward and uncomfortable for you as the educator and for your participants as well. By the way, if you want to find out more about how to avoid tumbleweed moments, check out episode 23, which is all about that subject. So taking the time to improve, plan and work on your questions will pay dividends. You'll get more responses from your participants, they'll share deeper thoughts and They will engage more in the theme or the subject of your discussion. But as you know, as I know all too well, questioning is not an innate talent for most of us. Although a few lucky people are born with the skill of asking good questions, most of us have to work hard at developing a good questioning technique. It's a skill and like all skills, we need to actively work on it to improve it. 
So how exactly can you improve your questioning technique? And today I'm going to share some suggestions to get you started. Um, A few ideas, some suggestions to really get you working on that questioning muscle. You can choose one of these or a few of them to focus on, depending on how fast you want to improve. So my first suggestion is all about taking the time to work on your questions. So take some time, first of all, to think about the types of questions you ask in your sessions. If possible, perhaps watch or listen to a recording of yourself in action. I know it's painful, but it gives you really good insights about the type of questions you ask. Write them down. Now, if you can't see yourself in action via recording or listen to yourself, write down some of your favorite go-to questions. You could even do this immediately after your next program. Quickly write down some of the questions you asked. Then I want you to reflect. So think about how many questions you ask in a session. Think about which ones got the best or the most responses. Which questions fell flat and why did they fall flat? You could think about possible reasons. Maybe the group didn't understand the question. Maybe the question wasn't clear enough. Maybe you asked more than one question at a time. These are all common mistakes that people make when they're asking questions. And do go and listen to episode 10, where I share 10 of the most common mistakes. So do you make any of these types of mistakes regularly? What's your bad habit? Be honest with yourself and do some good reflecting on your questioning technique. Then take your favorite questions and play around with them. Take some time to reword them. You could also see if you can simplify them. Now, you see we need to give questioning time. We actually need to consciously take the time to learn how to phrase good questions. And another good tip here is to start a question journal, maybe carry a notebook around with you and write down questions as they come to you. You can also make a note of questions that worked well for you in the past. This question journal will be so helpful for you. Anything that you find interesting or inspiring, any questions that have worked well in discussions or ones that you want to try out in the future. And you can get questions to write in your journal from things you read or things you listen to or watch. So make a conscious effort to listen out for questions and note down the ones that strike you. Be a collector of good questions. And something that I've done now that I have quite a collection is I've now started to categorize them. So I have introductory questions, interpretation questions, wondering, concluding, reflecting and more. And by doing this, by having a notebook or your question journal, you'll never be stuck for good questions to ask. And you'll actually find that the act of writing them down helps you to remember them more easily. You could even make this a daily habit, spending a couple of minutes a day adding a question to your journal. So my second suggestion is planning your questions in advance. 
So before each tour or program that you lead, you can plan and write your main questions in advance. So this will help you to word and phrase your questions so that they get the best results. And it will help you to use a variety of different question stems. Um, if you use more and different types of question stems, you'll get more people involved. So to kick off the process, do a question storm, brainstorm a list of questions about a theme or an artwork, just questions, no answers. You can then cherry pick the best questions you want to use. I would highly recommend you use the thinking routine creative questions to help you with this exercise. Then have a look at the questions that you've written down. You want to think about the purpose of the questions that you're going to be using in your program. You want to include a variety of different difficulty levels. And you want to phrase the question using vocabulary familiar to the group you'll be working with. Um, you can even go through each question and anticipate or think about any possible responses too. Another good suggestion, another good tip is to be an agile questioner. So even though you may have thought about a list of planned questions for your next program, you actually want to be flexible too. You may want to add questions when you're actually in your program. You may want to modify the list you have and think on your feet. And this will come with practice, but you need to be flexible and perhaps ready to rephrase any pre-planned and improvised questions where necessary. So perhaps if you don't get a response to a question, you need to be able to rephrase it. So you need to be an agile questioner too, and to get comfortable with improvising where necessary. Now, my next suggestion is about closed questions. It's about using closed questions with caution. So, as we know, and we've mentioned this before, closed questions are really useful for finding out information, for checking in with your participants throughout your tour or your program, and for offering quite a tight or a narrow focus. Now, too many closed questions in a row can feel like a quiz or an interrogation, or worse, can stop a discussion dead in its tracks. Now, also, I want you to be very wary of closed recall questions, those that ask for specific information or regurgitation of information. Because if you use lots of these questions, before you know it, your program will become a who knows the answer session. And only certain people will be answering and the discussion will shut down. So become more aware of when you're using or asking closed questions in your programs. How often do you use them? When do you use them? Think about whether an open question would perhaps get a better answer. Now, some people find it easier to formulate closed questions than open ones or vice versa. So it's also worth spending some time formulating both types of questions. Here's a quick exercise. So do the exercise I've already mentioned, where you brainstorm a list of questions about an artwork or object. You can set a timer for three to five minutes. 
when the time is up, count how many questions you have. And perhaps think about whether you were surprised by how many questions you generated. Then I want you to note which questions are open and which are closed. And then choose one open question and change it into a closed question. And then do the opposite. Take one closed question and change it into an open one. Now, after you've done this, think about what effect it had changing the questions from open to closed and closed to open. Perhaps which one was harder for you to do? And think about what effect it had on the question itself. Now, sometimes by opening and closing a question, it can completely transform it. It might change the effect the question has, or it might even change the information you get from it. Now, generally speaking, open-ended questions will open up the scope of your discussion, so you'll receive fuller answers, whilst closed questions will give you that tighter focus and more direct answers. So get really good at formulating open and closed questions. Both types of questions have their place in a discussion in a museum and you should be comfortable at formulating both types. Now, my next suggestion is to have an open questioning mindset. So this is where you ask someone what they think and why they think it. Having an open questioning mindset is different to a closed questioning mindset. This is when you ask participants to say what they think you want them to say. Then you take little interest in their reasons too. So improving your questioning technique is also about cultivating the right questioning mindset. And this will help you to use the right questions as effectively as possible. Mindset's really important. So moving on from mindset, my next suggestion is to speak the same language. So when you phrase your questions, you want to be clear and concise. That's what we already discussed, that good questions are clear and concise. So avoid jargon, avoid an academic tone, and relate your questions to the group you're with. Use words and phrases that they will understand. Because if people don't understand, you'll need to rephrase your question. My next tip is about leading questions. So avoid using leading questions. Something like, um, do you like our fantastic new addition to the collection? Is a subtly leading question. It prompts participants to answer in a certain way. Now, children are very susceptible to leading questions. So by contrast, a neutral question, a non-leading question, is expressed in a way that doesn't suggest its own answer. It asks for an honest answer and an answer that allows participants to decide how they will answer for themselves. So neutral questions are when you learn what the participant thinks instead of learning what the participant thinks you want them to learn. 
and ask one question at a time. So I talk about this a fair amount, but I still hear this happening a lot. So write short questions that cover one single point. Don't ask them more than one question at a time. It really confuses participants. They're thinking, which question should I answer? Which one, What are they really asking me here? Now, normally people ask more than one question at a time when they haven't planned their questions in advance. You can see people that, you can see their mind waffling a big long sentence that doesn't really know where it's going. And this long sentence quite often contains two or more questions in it. So if you really want to know two different things, you need to ask two distinctly different questions at separate times. So only ask one question at a time. And allowing wait time. So ask your question and then wait. Give everyone the chance to respond. If necessary, count to five in your head before you think about saying anything. You need to be comfortable and patient with the silence. You want to give participants a chance to think and then respond. So don't go in with a follow-up question until you've waited. The average wait time after asking a question is around two to three seconds. So try three to five seconds and more. You can even wait up to 15 seconds for open-ended questions. You're allowing people time to think. And finally, thinking routines. So thinking routines will help you improve your questioning technique. They are consist of short, easy to learn steps and questions that get used in a regular fashion. And the questions are carefully worded already for you to allow for multiple interpretations. They allow you to use these questions to open up discussions. And the more you use the routines, the more they become second nature. And the more they become second nature, the easier it is for you to word your questions in the same way. So thinking routines provide a good scaffold for good questions. If you want to get started, I've got an ultimate thinking routine list with over 100 thinking routines on it, and it will help you to get started with thinking routines. And regular use of thinking routines in your programs, your discussions, your tours, will really change the way you think about questions forever. And finally, a final tip. You know we love questions on this podcast, so how about setting yourself an intention to be a curious questioner in 2022 in everything you do? So a curious questioner really values questions more than answers. They take the time and effort to work on the questions they ask during their programs. They also encourage their participants to ask them more questions. So perhaps give it a go and make 2022 the year you work on your questioning technique. So that's my suggestions for different ways to improve your questioning technique. Let me know how you get on. Thanks for listening today. Don't forget every Friday I send out a weekly newsletter. It's just been revamped and redesigned and it's full of inspiration and ideas. I share one thing to watch, one to read and one to listen and any news about upcoming classes and courses. It's really more than a newsletter. It's a carefully 
curated dose of inspiration for the curious. I'll put a link in the show notes so that you can sign up for the TM Weekly too. So that's it for this week. Thanks so much for listening. Bye for now. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Art Engager podcast with me, Claire Bowne. You can find more art engagement resources by visiting my website, thinkingmuseum.com. And you can also find me on Instagram, at Thinking Museum, where I regularly share tips and tools on how to bring art to life and engage your audience. If you've enjoyed this episode, please share with others and subscribe to the show on your podcast player of choice. Thank you so much for listening and I'll see you next time.